0: Always right radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob
2: France. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. It is nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. It is the third morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2023. And what day of the week is this, you ask? It's a free-for-all Friday! (laughs) Let's hear it from you this morning. All right, just kidding. We're jam-packed with guests. We'll have very little time for phone calls. But we call it free-for-all Friday, and doggone it, we're going to stick with it. Uh, Really, really loaded up for Bear today. Coming up in half an hour, uh, Jack Windsor is going to join us. 9.35. Jack is, of course, the founder and editor of the Ohio Press Network. He has been following the case of the censures of the Gang of 22, the unrepentant liars and Democrats in Republican clothing that completely destroyed the Ohio House of Representatives. All 22 of them, absolute turncoats, traitors, not just to their party and their caucus in uh, the Ohio State House, but to the millions of constituents who collectively gave them their power and they turned around and handed their power to the Democrats. Censures flying all over the state, but not here. Not in Cuyahoga County. No, we can't say. They didn't even have a move for censure of the Gang of 22 in their meeting last night. The weak, afraid, and feckless RPCC didn't even move to censure the whole Gang of 22. The only motion is a, and the only um, uh, attempt, if you will, to bring any kind of accountability to the indiv- these individuals was to the one who is specific to Cuyahoga County, Tom Patton, and they couldn't even do that, and they wouldn't even do that. I am fighting every ounce with every ounce of my being. The urge to go completely scorched earth after the stories that I was told last night by about 12 different people, all giving me different variations of what was going down and how it was going down. Some were just observers. Some were members. Some were leadership. And it is a cluster you-know-what. That's what it is. It is an absolute mess. Cuyahoga County uh, could not follow suit. Strongsville did. Strongsville back on, what, Monday or Tuesday or whatever it was? They very easily passed a resolution condemning and censuring State Representative Tom Patton, uh, making him ineligible for endorsements or for uh, campaign cash when it comes time for re-election, even though he's termed out. Everybody knows he's going to try to run for the Ohio Senate, or expects him to anyway. They did it in the Strongsville side, but on the county-wide in the RC- RPCC, couldn't do it. Wouldn't, wouldn't even, like I said... It was only a patent resolution, and then they they completely blew that one. Uh, they're they're all well. Oh, it's going to be referred to the disciplinary committee. It's going to be referred to the disciplinary committee, and uh, we'll check back in with you um, end of March, March thirty first. Well, by my count, this is February third. That's eight weeks from now. Yeah, plenty of time for everybody to cool off. Plenty of time for the outrage over what was done to the State House and our plans for pushing forth great conservative legislation without any ability for the Democrats to stop it. All of that's gone by the wayside, but in three, four, six, eight weeks from now, most of the anger will fade. Most of the disagreements will subside. Everybody will heal. The Republicans will forgive the 22, and we'll just go back to business as usual, getting our freaking lunches handed to us by Ohio's super minority Democrat Party. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to restrain and refrain from going scorched earth for the time being. It's how I feel, however. Uh, I want to talk leadership. I want to talk, uh, decision, decision making. I want to talk rules. I want to talk about why it is other, other counties can do what this county can't do. I want to, fi- I want to find out. Do you care? Tell you something else. I want to find out how much this matters to you as a Republican in this state or just a citizen of this state. You know how important some of the legislation is that we couldn't get through before because our weak Democrat governor, Mike DeWine, the little Napoleonic tyrant who shut down and blew up this state all at the same time, you know, the fear that he would veto things. Now we have a veto-proof majority in both chambers of the General Assembly, and we could have just plowed forward, and now we can't. It is just beyond uh, aggravating, it's frustrating, it's frustrating, It's infuriating to be hundred percent honest with you, but I'll let Jack give us uh, some perspective that he got from his sources. He spoke to last night. That'll be coming up at nine thirty-five. That was probably more than I wanted to say just now, but I'll tell you what. It's just, it's just, it's. There's a little fire that's right now burning inside of my chest, and and there's little, you know, it's already been it's already been started with the kindling. There's a little bit of burning wood. It's going to start to. It's going to start to explode very, very soon uh, if somebody doesn't make some sense of this. And I've been asking leadership. I've been asking leadership. Last night, today, this morning, I've been asking everybody that I can to make it make sense, to put this little fire of of, of rage out uh, as uh, we sit here and watch the massive Republican majority go to complete waste in an absolutely pathetic, pathetic uh, red state. And what I I mean by that, of course, and I've said this many times before, Ohio has the capacity to be one of the strongest conservative red states in America. And the numbers say we are that, and we have that. But the actions of those numbers, they betray it. We have a chance to be a phenomenal conservative leader in this country, and instead we are rhino pink. That's right. A lot of people like to call it purple when you start to bleed over into the blue. The red bleeds over into the blue and it's purple. Uh, I'm going to call it pink. You're not even not even close enough to being red to deserve purple. You're pink. At 1010, uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Carol Lieberman. She's a psychologist, actually a psychiatrist. She's considered America's psychiatrist. We're going to get her response and her analysis of what happened in Memphis You still cannot turn on a news channel without hearing somebody screaming that five black cops beating a a black driver to death uh, is racist, and it's a symbol of white supremacy. Dr. Lieberman says this has nothing to do with race or racism. It has to do with the psychopathology of the cops, and police officers need to start being psychoanalyzed before they are hired. We'll talk to her about that at 1010. Christina Hagen will come by at 1035, formerly of that General Assembly, former Ohio State rep. We'll get her thoughts on what's going on in the party. As well as, she's got thoughts on on what's going on in that uh, giant uh, uh, Chinese spy balloon, which we'll talk about, too. That's at 10.35. And then at 11.10, an update from ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, from Matt Sharp on the latest Jack Phillips assault. What I mean by that is Jack Phillips, of course, is the cake shop owner in uh, Colorado whose entire life has been under assault for the last 10, 12, 15 years because every single time he beats them in court, they send another LGBTQ activist into his shop demanding that he make something that they know he will not make so they can file another suit and continue to punish him for daring to stand up for himself the latest is they want him to bake a transition a a boy to girl or girl to boy cake which he does not believe in it's not a part of his religion and you know the rest so there there he's back in court again so Matt Sharp will be joining us so th- we're loaded up Jack Windsor, Dr. Carol Lieberman, Christina Hagen, and Matt Sharp. That's why I kind of jokingly said it is still a free for all Friday, but it's going to be hard for you to find a spot to get in. When you do have, and you do hear me say we got time for some phone calls here, make those calls quickly. Hit them where they ain't, as uh, a famous baseball player once said. Who it wasn't Yogi Berra? Who was it? I'll figure it out. Anyway, the old saying is hit them where they ain't. So you're going to have to make your calls where I don't have guests. Hit them where they ain't. That's just the best way to make it work. All right, uh, I'm going to ask you to stand now as the patriot that you are. Put your uh, hand on your heart and face your flag if you have one. If you don't, let's work on that. If you are a believer in socialism, the way 86 members of the the United States House of Representatives in the Democrat Party yesterday said that they were, then you don't understand this flag. You don't understand the freedom of, and the liberty that drips from the stars and the stripes so therefore you are exempt from the request to pledge your allegiance to it i'll explain that story in a moment instead you take a knee next to your favorite socialist ex-quarterback for the rest of us
0: i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with
2: liberty and justice for all.
0: All
3: right,
2: 919. I'm told it was Wee Willie Keeler. I knew that. Wee Willie Keeler, the famous baseball player who said, The object is to hit it where they ain't. Your job is to make your calls where the guests ain't. Find those spots before, between, and after them, and we'll get you up and on the radio one way or the other. It's 919. Right back on Always Right Radio. Okay, 923, It's Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for being with us. So um, what the hell is the Eric Swalwell balloon doing flying over the United States? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you followed this from yesterday? There is a Chinese spy balloon. I mean, literally, there's no other way to describe it. Uh, it is. It has been confirmed, even though China will not necessarily admit it yet. But there is a balloon that is that is continuing to hover over the western United States, northwestern United States, up over Montana. And the only thing the Biden administration will do is point and say, look how pretty. Essentially, that's what they're doing. Why is no one making a, <laughs> a strong stance here saying, you are violating American airspace? That is... Damn near an act of war, and it certainly can compel the station that whose airspace or the the, uh, nation rather, I just combined state and nation, and said station. Um, It certainly allows the nation whose airspace is being violated to take an action to protect it and defend it. And they're not shooting this thing down. Nobody seems to care, or at least nobody has an answer. Nobody wants to talk about it. They're literally just kind of looking at it and saying, yeah, we're trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, uh, if we shoot it down, it's possible that maybe, you know, some people could be harmed on the ground. Well, you know what? If it was a fighter jet and you shot it down because it was a Chinese fighter jet, somebody might get hurt on the ground below, too. But you'd still shoot it down, wouldn't you? Because there's kind of some sense to that. I mean, let's be 100 percent honest here. I don't think the Biden administration knows what to do. They are. Rightfully terrified of China, why rightfully? Because if there ever was any kind of a uh, of a uh, f- confrontation that becomes military in nature and not just diplomatic, our military is screwed. Our military is so underprepared and misdirected by some of the worst leadership from the Pentagon on down that we have ever had ever had in this country. Oh breaking news, China has admitted that the balloon in. US airspace is theirs. But they deny reports that it's a spy airship. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. As okay. long as they deny it, then we can definitely take the Chinese uh, at their word, right? That's, uh, that's probably the mentality of the of the Biden administration. The People's Republic of China confirmed Friday morning, so just recently, that the balloon floating over the northern United States is from China. It's a civilian airship used to research, mainly meteorological purposes, the Chinese foreign Ministry's but it's a weather balloon. Yeah, it's a weather balloon, just like the one that crashed in Roswell. It's just a weather balloon. Affected by the westerlies and with limited self-steering capability, the airship deviated far from its planned course. Yeah, you think so? From China over all the way to the United States? Yeah, I'd say that's a hell of a deviation. The Chinese side regrets the unintended entry of the airship into U.S. airspace due to force majeure. The Chinese side will continue communicating with the U.S. side and properly handle this unexpected situation caused by force majeure. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. The Chinese are without question the biggest threat that this country faces. Yes, that includes Vladimir Putin and his war in Ukraine, and the fact that we are fighting a proxy war by arming and and supplying uh, funds and weapons to Ukraine. Yes, China is still a bigger threat than that. And their weather balloon is just or their weather balloon. They call it a weather balloon. Their spy balloon is just uh, cruising casually, Lord only knows for how long, over the United States. I wonder how long that will be allowed. Uh, before the Biden administration will, uh, will stop looking at it because they're not going to do anything about it. You just wonder how long that's going to take. Other top stories this morning. I have seen some stuff in my time. I have heard some, some temper tantrums coming from House and Senate floors in the past, but nothing prepared me for what the squad did yesterday. The party. The drama party that the squad threw yesterday on the House floor was something to behold, all because a radical anti-Semite named Jihad Omar, or excuse me, I mispronounced it, Ilhan Omar, who has made a career out of condemning, insulting uh, Israel and Jews, not to mention completely disrespecting the nation she represents as a House member by saying that on 9-11 some people did something, whatever that was, whoever they were, it doesn't matter, it's just some people doing something, has finally, appropriately, been booted from the Foreign Relations Committee. Foreign Affairs Committee doesn't need people who are enemies of one of America's strongest allies in the Middle East, which, of course, is Israel. So she got booted for that. And we were treated to one of the, one of the best performance art shows uh, that I've ever seen. That I've ever seen coming from the floor of the United States uh, Congress, either side, either the uh, House side or the Capitol side. Here is uh, one of Sharia, or, I mean, uh, one of uh, Jihad Omar's uh, closest allies, Sharia Talib.
4: Where are the free speech warriors today? The hypocrisy is obvious to the American people. You are showing who you all are, really. The gentlewoman's time has expired. I Omar will not be silenced.
5: The and gentlewoman's time, has expired. Omar, the
4: gentlewoman's so time sorry, has expired. The Congressman Omar, I am so sorry,
5: that our country is failing you today. Through this chamber, you belong no, no The, the no gentlewoman no is no longer recognized.
2: You belong committee. <laughs> and then, of course, there's um, ADC. Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, not to be outdone by Sharia Talib,
4: There is nothing consistent with the Republican Party's continued attack except for the racism and incitement of violence against women of color in this body. I had a member of the Republican caucus threaten my life, and you all and the Republican caucus rewarded him with one of the most prestigious committee assignments in this Congress. Don't tell me this is about consistency. Don't tell me that this is about an abdic- a-, a condemnation of... I wish
2: I could- could show you what i'm watching as uh you listen to this the same thing i am do you remember um the man show that jimmy kimmel and adam carolla used to have back in the 90s it's called the man show it was just nothing but you know like a two dudes in a man cave drinking beers and watching girls on trampolines that's what adc looks like she is bouncing up and down as she screams from the uh the the uh, podium About how this is just complete racism. This is targeting women of color. And she's bouncing up and down and gesticulating like she's a girl on a trampoline. I don't know why, really. Anti-Semitic
4: remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who who has talked about Jewish space lasers and and an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women
2: of color. Ah, and there it is. And that, of course, was doubled down upon by Cory Bush. Cori Bush, who I don't even have a really uh, good nickname for, who decided to double down on that and saying this is all about Ihan or Ilhan or Jihad or whatever her name is, Omar's race. that uh, gentleman is rec- re- recognized. Ah, I don't have time for her right now. I wanted to, but I don't have time for her right now. Unless I can just give the sixteen-second version, can I do that? So
5: let's talk about what's really happening. Republicans are waging a blatantly Islamophobic and racist attack on Congresswoman Omar, and I've said it before; I will say it again. The white supremacy happening is unbelievable. <laughs> this.
2: At what point will half-wits and quarter-wits like these uh, start to understand that when you cry wolf? Over and over and over and over again. No one is going to come around it. You cry racism every single time something happens you don't like to a person of color. People are going to stop listening. Like, you know, now. News time. Windsor next. Always right radio. AM 1420. The answer.
0: enlightening the sleeping masses, and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on The Answer.
2: Okay, 938 now. As mentioned in the opening monologue, uh, censures or resolutions for censure are flying around county or GOP counties, or county GOP is, I guess it would be the best way to say that, all over the state. And uh, these censures are aimed at the 22 Republican uh, House members who violated their own oath, who broke their own pledge to support the winner of their caucus for speaker back in November. We all know the story by now. Derek Maron won that. And then immediately, 22 of them said, we're not going to keep our oath. Screw that. We'll go partner with Democrats and take over power for ourselves. And that's exactly what happened. They got Jason Stevens elected, and then all 21 of the others got prime leadership positions in the uh, committees that were announced just uh, about a week or so ago. So now the censures be flying around um, are, are are doing pretty well. They're not passing in every county. Hamilton was a huge disappointment last night. But in Cuyahoga County, they didn't even take the vote. They, rever- they referred The matter of Tom Patton, not even of the 22, but they referred the matter of Tom Patton to the disciplinary committee with a deadline of March 31st to decide what they want to do. Joining us now to analyze all of this mess is Jack Windsor. Jack is our state house correspondent covering that for us on AM 1420 The Answer while also running, operating his baby uh, he founded and is the editor of the Ohio Press Network. Jack, good morning.
6: Good morning, Bob. Thanks for choosing me this morning. Always a pleasure to be here with you and our listeners
2: so they got together last night in Cuyahoga county and um essentially decided nothing uh this particular case is most frustrating because mm-hmm. they are only considering or were are only considering a resolution written by shannon burns president of strongsville and a member of the rpcc uh to censure tom Patton. uh they did that already in strongsville the strongsville gop did so um, and that was the only thing that was considered last night by the RPCC in their meeting, not a motion or a resolution to censure the Gang of 22 like the other county mm-hmm. GOPs are around the state. Uh, what is your understanding of that and why?
6: So I'm going to uh, take this action movie and with several different <laughs> plot lines and characters, and I'm going to cut to the chase. All right. Cuyahoga County was poised to punish Tom Patton last night. But power and privilege trumped principle. Now, what do I mean by that? Past and potential future donors threaten to take their money and go elsewhere if the censor what went forward. That's That's the short of it right there. So power and privilege and access to politicians over principle. And the principle is, hey, if you make a commitment in the caucus and you promise to vote for a guy on the floor, you do it. And if you tell your voters you're not going to do it, you don't do it. And, uh, that, that took a back seat. So now we can get into all the nooks and crannies and the nuts and bolts of it. My understanding, I talked a little bit with Shannon Burns afterwards. Um, it, the mood of the, of the, uh, room, according to him, was two to one in favor of censuring. Um, but I can't get into the mindset of the folks who wanted to push the resolution into a disciplinary committee, but that's what happened. And one of the stories being told is that, look, we want to go through the due process. We want to make sure that if we are going to do something, that we do this correctly. So my understanding is that the resolution was sent to the disciplinary committee where uh, it could die, but my understanding is the discussion and what they voted on last night was that The central committee has to meet again by March 31st, so they can't punt. This disciplinary committee that now has the resolution has to meet and decide a course of action over the next eight weeks. So um, they have to produce a report for consideration in front of the entire body. So we should learn more about what's going to happen in the next eight weeks.
2: What does due process mean in a case like this? Because to me, it means providing a forum and an opportunity before a vote for the individual who is at the subject of the resolution and the, and the potential mm-hmm. target of the censure to have a chance to talk, answer the questions, and defend himself. He had that opportunity. He had that opportunity in Strongsville. He had that opportunity last night. Um mm-hmm. and Tom Patton isn't showing up. Tom Patton is just gone radio silent in refusing to address you know and and what did his you reached out to him and what did his um his uh, uh representative? Legis- legislative aid send back to you something like he's not going to speak about this until after the householder trial. So I-, I don't know if that's just an excuse, but he doesn't want to talk about it. He just wants this to go away. He had due process. Show up last night. Show up, defend yourself, and give uh, everybody an opportunity to hear your side of the story as to why you did what you did was not worthy of censure. He she's choosing not to do that. Yeah,
6: so one of the elements of due process to me, Bob, and I got to remind everybody, I'm not a, I'm not an attorney, so take this for what it's worth. I'm giving it to you for free, so it might be worth nothing. But one of the elements of due process to me is time. And what are the words and actions that play out over that time? Well, uh, the party has come forward and said, look, uh, we have an issue. Do you want to weigh in? And you said it. He hasn't gone before a panel or a party and said, This is what I did. This is why I did it. The press, that's me, we have a responsibility and an obligation to go to these folks to ask the questions, to hear what they say, and to report it. I've gone to Tom, and I've said, Tom, here are some hard questions, and I need you to answer them. The response I got was, well, come to Cleveland, drive up here, sit down with me, talk to me, get to know me, and and I'll give you the answers to the questions. Now, I might do that, but to me, the answer is basically – uh, come to my turf and let me postpone answering your questions uh, until such time that I feel comfortable doing it. Well, that's a barometer. Th- those are words. Those are actions that tell me, um, you know, he doesn't want to come forward full steam right now to explain his side of the story. Um, why he doesn't want to do that. I-, I can only speculate at this point, but due process includes time. It includes party and it into- it includes the press. And I think that we have, uh, you know, quite a bit of evidence right now to show uh this is where tom Patton stands and this is why he did what he did so what people want to do with that is up to them but i think to pretend like there is no action uh that you can examine to say hey this was the right thing to do or this was the wrong thing to do i think that's completely incorrect
2: some of the people that i've spoken to on that in the uh rpcc last night members uh and some in leadership said that if they passed a resolution of censorship last night, the one that was introduced by Shannon burns, um, it was going to it was going to be illegal it was going to be in violation of the rules because it contained punishments already therein, which uh, is news to me, but this is what i 've heard from a, f- a few different individuals saying that you can 't do it that way you can censure him uh, with with punishment, meaning usually uh, no endorsements and no campaign funding, no campaign f- uh, cash coming from the from that caucus. Um uh, that you have to do that after the disciplinary committee that that it had to go to disciplinary committee for anything of of note to actually be done to tom patton that 's what I was told by a couple of different people. Can you confirm or or make any more sense of that
6: yeah, so I think what you're what you're saying is a small part of what I heard, which is that you know <laughs> here 's the funny part um, you have now a Republican body. Uh, with a strict interpretation of Robert's rules of order. My goodness, we've been asking for that as a party for uh, a long time, a lot of people have said to me, you know, from the state central committee to other places. So the strict interpretation is exactly what you just said. So if there's going to be discipline levied, it has to be, it has to go through the process of the disciplinary committee. So we want to dot our I's and cross our T's. So the strict interpretation is that's what needs to happen. And so, yes, um that is part of the due process that people who wanted to shove it into committee are citing there are people who say uh, that's a really strict interpretation and we could have censured without that um i'm not a parliamentarian i'm not an expert on robert's rules of order so um you know so so how, though, Jack, how did the other, other.
2: counties and I, and I don't know if you have a count uh, but a handful of other counties have already voted mm-hmm. to censure did they violate robert's rules of orders did they not go through the proper channels
6: yeah it's a great question so i'm going to answer that first question shelby Monroe, Sandusky, Delaware, Henry, Putnam, Warren, along with Strongsville GOP have all censured. And, oh, by the way, the big dog is the Ohio Republican Party. State Central Committee has censured all 22. Uh, So clearly there's an appetite for censure. Hamilton County has not. Fairfield County voted it down. Butler County, narrowly by two votes, uh, went against the censure. And then, of course, Cuyahoga County shoved it into disciplinary uh, committee last night. Now, so the question, the second question that you're asking me is, uh, did they do it against rules? I don't know. I, I would assume that each party has uh, certain rules by which their central committees operate. That is not uh, that is not information that I can give you confidently to say. Hey, you know, Cuyahoga County's rules are this, Hamilton's are that. Um, I'm, I, I assume that they're following the rules, but I don't know if there are separate, you know, t- if there are tweaks to the Roberts rules for each of those separate counties.
2: Okay, um, one of the other big questions that I started off with, and no one will answer. No one. I'm talking to leadership. I'm talking to members of the disciplinary committee. I'm talking to uh, the person who wrote the resolution. resolution. Nobody will answer why it is they are focused only on Tom Patton and not the gang of 22. All 22 are unrepentant liars. Who, who violated their own word when they pledged they would all vote unanimously for the winner of the caucus vote that was held on November 16th. They're all liars, mm-hmm. and then they ran to to cozy up to Democrats in order to get power, which they got. Mm-hmm. 21 of them with prime, plum leadership positions on the committees they wanted, granted by uh, the the the, uh, the thief who stole the gavel, Jason Stevens. Why mm-hmm. the hell... Are 168 members of the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County all focused only on Tom Patton and not making all 22 of them answer for their uh, for their lies and for their selling out of the constituents who put them where they are?
6: That's a great question, Bob. If I'm just giving no one you my visceral it. response, well, yeah. yeah, it's a tough one to think through. I guess my visceral response is this: uh, the state central committee. Censored all 22. So that that's a pretty big umbrella, right? And I I guess there would be special or relevant jurisdiction to each county wherein those 22 uh, reside, and the people that they represent are from there. So in the case of Tom Patton, well, yeah, that would that would potentially make sense because that's part of his district. So they're going to focus on Tom Patton. I can tell you from conversations I've had with a couple of people. I think part of it is they want to make real uh, they wanna make it very clear that Tom Patton is, is censured because he, although he may term out in the House, uh the Senate is probably his next objective. And so he's gonna come back to the well for funding. And I think some people wanna be able to specifically point to that censure and say, Well, good luck, because we censured you. And you're not going to get any funds. You're not going to get any support. Um, Now, I think if he did an about face and said, look, this is what I did. This is what was right. This is what was wrong. um, That might make a difference. I've talked to a lot of people who said, I don't care about the person i don't care about the punishment what i care about is the policy is there going to be conservative policy that comes out of the state house so i think if tom patton were to again have an about face and say look i i have seen the light and we're going to make sure that we're sticking up for uh, you know the joint resolution to require 60% to pass an a constitutional amendment for education choice for parents rights for you know redistricting that's you know fair Uh, I think that that might save him, uh, save his bacon a little bit. But that's to be determined.
2: I want to go back because what I'm as concerned about, if not more concerned about than anything you just listed, is who's running this party, particularly in this county. Now, the chair's name has Lisa sticking on it. But is Lisa <clears throat> in running the party or are donors running the party? You said at the beginning of your commentary that past, present, and potential future donors, I think I'm quoting you correctly, but it's a paraphrase, mm-hmm. are uh, in uh, you know going to great lengths to make it clear that they may not have that money to count on anymore if they go ahead and censure somebody like Tom Patton.
6: Yeah, so whether you're the chairman of the state party or you're the chairman of the county party, your job is to raise money because nothing happens until money is raised. Right. And so that has to be your top ob- objective um, as a chairman of the party. So, yes, uh, you know, Lisa Sticken is the leader of the Cuyahoga County Republican Party or the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County, however you however they title it. But th- the bottom line is this chaos creates opportunity. And I think that that's. Something to think about. I don't have uh, all the understanding of what's going on, but you had, you know, Lee Weingart trying to come in and, uh, you know, basically steal the gavel. And uh, he you know, showed up chaos, last night, by I, the
2: way, strangely and shockingly, he showed up last night after that uh, attempted coup.
6: Well, my understanding is that that ship has sailed. That that effort is is now um, no longer, uh, you know, valid. But okay. we'll see. Um, but so, you know, that that chaos creates opportunity. Is it Lee Weingart? Are there other people? in that party who are trying to take over and, and posture as if they're in power. I don't know. That that might, you know, that might play into some of the politicking. Um, but, yeah, you have to raise money to be in charge of the party. And, frankly, I think that what I'm hearing you say, if you haven't said it directly, is you have some disdain, you have some anger, and basically you're, you're, you're figuratively or literally asking where is the leader? Where is the leadership You know these people, specifically Tom Patton, in your mind. If I've heard you correctly over the past few days, violated the principles of the party, and he now needs to be punished. Where's the leader to do that? Um, And I think that there's a valid point. And several people I talked with over the past 12 hours, they've said, "Look, it's it's a it's a really tough line to walk." Um, But look, are people really going to pull funding? Are they really going to leave? I don't know. It's their money. They can do whatever they want. Is what people are telling me. But I just have a hard time believing that. Um, if you really are steeped in conservative principles, you're going to take your money and go elsewhere.
2: Um, I would hope, so- I would hope that's, that's not the case. You, you know, you're right about that. But that's what I've been told by a few different sources is that it is about the donors. Uh, and if they bail, uh, then, you know, the party's going to be, you know, left high and dry. Uh, and to clarify what you just said, no, I haven't been specifically focused on Tom Patton. I, in fact, am wondering why the RPCC is focused solely on Tom Patton. I want all 22 of them to be punished, uh, uh, severely. And quite frankly, I I want all 22 of them to be primary the hell out. They do not have Ohio's best interests at heart. They have their own best interests at heart, their power, getting those positions from Stevens, and they sold their souls to the Democrats to get it. I don't want any of them representing Ohioans ever again, per- personally. So I'm not just geared toward Tom Patton. He just happens to be the local in this situation. Um, Last thing, Jack, um, uh, the, the censure ship from the, or the censure from the state central committee, um, was a big, you know, statement. But it was just a statement. It was just symbolic. Okay. There was no punishment there. Okay. And I criticized it the moment they did it for that reason. But then I was told after the fact that this censorship or this censure, I don't know the proper terminology for it, of the, uh, 22 does allow for punitive sanctions to be kicked in when these people come up for reelection. That they then can say, because of the sh- censure, uh, that you received in, you know, January of 2023, 20, uh, uh, you you are not entitled to funding, you're not entitled to endorsement from the party. Uh, so I was a little bit better with that. So I've got people uh, talking to me this morning and last night saying, don't complain, this cens- censure uh, couldn't go through without, as you say, going to the disciplinary committee because it attached uh, punishments to it. And if you did it the other way with just a censure and without punishments, well then you'll complain that it was symbolic. So mm-hmm. I want I want some clarity on that. I am better with the state's censure now from the state central committee because I'm told punishments can be added. I would be better with this one if they had passed a symbolic censure to let the people know we are not satisfied with this and that punishment can come into the future. Are, is that your understanding of all this, Jack?
6: Yes. So let me just kind of take it from a different angle. Let's say that you and I are running uh, for the state house in, in a couple of years. We're squaring off and 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 you have been censured by the state central committee. I have not. The argument's really easy for me. Um, are, are you going to fund me who's never been censured or are you going to fund the guy that the state party said did something wrong? And if you're going to fund the guy that the state party said did something wrong, you better have a good reason. And then you better explain to voters why it even matters to have a party and rules and resolutions, because either you're going to you're going to follow the principles of the party. Or you're not. And then, you know, and then I would just start outing people and saying, look, is this about power and privilege or is it about principle? And and then, you know, it'll it'll be where it is. But I think that it can have some teeth as long as, you know, you point back and go, well, why would we support somebody who's been censured? Why would we support somebody right. who's violated, the, you know, the, the duties that they committed to?
2: That's well said. That's a great answer to the question, and that's exactly the point that I'm making. That's why a censorship needed to happen instead of eight weeks of cooling off and hoping that all of this hard feelings and all of this disagreement between and among Republicans fades away when we get into the middle of legislative session. That's what I'm afraid of. By the end of March, uh, all of the uh, importance of this will be lost on people. Uh, Jack Windsor writes about and covers all of this uh, for the Ohio Press Network. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the Ohio Press Network. And, of course, he uh, works as a State House correspondent for us. So uh, it's wearing that hat today that I thank you, Jack Windsor. Appreciate it very much. God bless you, Bob. Talk to you again soon. You too. Thank you. 956, time out. Always right, Radio AM 1420, The Answer.
1: You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness.
0: Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer.
2: Hour number two underway now at eight minutes past ten o'clock. Good morning. It is. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. It is a free-for-all Friday, although we are jammed up. We have a lot of important people to talk to. Uh, no one more important than Jack Windsor was, and uh, no one uh, more important than any of our three remaining guests. Uh, these are all very, very important issues. It is the third morning, by the way, of the second month in the year of our Lord, 2023. The death of Tyree Nichols in Memphis continues to reverberate around the country, particularly by what I call racial arsonists. They're the ones who continue to fan the flames of division and racism and hatred. Uh, because it advances a political agenda for them. That's a problem, but it's what's happening. They continue to say that five black cops beating a black motorist who died uh, just a short while after that beating is evidence of white supremacy. It's racism. Policing in America is racist in general. That's what caused this. The race of the officers is irrelevant. Well, our next guest says not so fast. This is not about race. This is about something very, very different. Let's welcome to our program, or welcome back, Dr. Carol Lieberman. She is widely known as America's psychiatrist. She's the host of Dr. Carol's Couch on VoiceAmerica.com and the Terrorist Therapist podcast. Dr. Lieberman, good to have you. How are you?
5: Thank you. Good to be back.
2: So, uh, Tyree Nichols is a black man, or was a black man, sadly and horrifically, and no one completely, you know, in, in, indefensibly, he was murdered. No one has ever, to my knowledge, uh, said anything but, this was murder, after watching that video. There's, there's, there's no just justification whatsoever, so that's not the issue anymore. Uh, although there does have to be a trial or a plea and a conviction, but the question is why? And as I noted, uh, even at Tyree Nichols' funeral two days ago, Reverend Al Sharpton stood there before the uh, congregation and said if Tyree Nichols were white, he'd be alive right now. This wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't have done this to a white man. Clearly, this is race. And your answer to that is, no, it's not. It's something something deeper. Can you tell us what it is?
5: Yes, yes, and that would have been very interesting if it was five cops who killed a white man. (laughs) That would have been a different... You know, however, whatever the scenario was, people who are intent upon uh, making everything about race, you know, would have spun it anyway. Um, but yes, this is not really about race. Um, you know, I think when it did turn out to be five black cops killing a white man, and by the way, I mean, I watched the whole video, um, when it came out on Friday night and it was horrific. Uh, it was like a, they were like a pack of wild hyenas, uh, going after a prey. And, um, so, so what it is about is really more about the psychological makeup of people who become cops, not everybody, obviously. These five people, it, they are the, um, the, uh, apples, the bad apples who, uh, are spoiling the, um, rest of them. Like, you know, getting people, making people say, oh, well, that, that, you know, that's not how all cops are and, and they're all racist and having a police force altogether is racist is what, People are saying who want to um, make it about, you know, make the divide bigger. Um, But really, I say that what we need is um, psychological testing. And I know in some uh, uh, precincts they do have this, but not, it's a very small uh, number. And they need to have testing, both psychological tests, you know, paper and pen tests, and an interview with a psychiatrist before someone is allowed on the force and then they need a uh, checkup every one to two years just like they have checks for weapons to make sure that you know with the weapons to make sure that they're still um know how to handle their weapons appropriately and with psych evals um it should be that they are still not impaired in any way to be on the force because they see you know what police see every day or During during their time, certainly within a year, uh, many cops see all kinds of horrific things, have gone through all kinds of horrific danger, especially nowadays. And so they are possibly candidates, they are candidates for PTSD and other kinds of problems. And they just need, for their sake and the sake of the people in the streets, they need to be checked.
2: Dr. Carol Lieberman Lieberman is my guest, and um, you know it's funny because I was talking about this without the expertise you have, obviously as a psychiatrist and a physician, uh, but just as a layman, I was talking about the mentality that I saw um, from those officers and. I weighed that not against, but actually in consideration with reports that these individuals were hired a couple of years ago when the yes. city announced they wanted to diversify the force more, and in order to do that, racially diversify the force more, they had to lower the standards. Uh, mm-hmm. used to be used to require I think at least an associate's degree and or 56 hours of education, higher education to join their police force. When they dumped that, uh, they, in order to diversify the force, they took some people in who maybe didn't have the uh, mental or, or a cognitive qualifications for the job, nor were they able to determine whether or not they could handle, uh, you know, tempering aggressiveness, which is needed on a scorpion force, um, with, with, uh, you know, de escalation and empathy for somebody who is in a defenseless position. All of those things, I think, kind of made a little hodgepodge here of a, of a disaster.
5: Yes. And I think. Um, The fact that there was this scorpion force, that these were the people on on this force uh, who were supposed to be addressing major crimes, not traffic stops, you know, first of all, to begin with. Um, They were supposed to be going after murder and rape and and the worst crimes in the area. Um, And I think what I saw was a competition. You know, uh, not only was it a pack mentality, but it was like um, each one seemed to want to... um, (laughs) Damage, you know, um, uh, uh, the ty- Tyree more like. So one person w- would hit him, you know, with his baton. Another person would kick him. It was like they were competing with each other as to who could do more damage.
2: It did seem that way. I saw the same pack mentality, and you know, I, I again, in my in my um, non expert opinion, I saw. I, I understand why they take five guys like that and put them on a scorpion force. I do. Um, because what we understand from the Scorpion Force, it is the toughest unit working in the toughest areas of a very tough city. They're the anti-ga- anti-gang and anti-drug unit. Uh, Forty officers divided into four ten-man teams. That's what these Scorpion Forces are. And you need alpha males. You do. You need aggressive guys who are ready and willing to engage in a lot of physical altercations, if not shootouts, with, again, drug, drug uh, lords and gangs and so on and so forth. But to put guys who are alpha males with that aggressive nature out there without, as you say, the psychological, not only evaluation to start, but the ongoing counseling I would think would be necessary, is a recipe for disaster. You put alpha males out there in an alpha situation and and you don't teach them how to control themselves, you're going to have stuff like this, right?
5: Yes. And, you know, there was no leadership. Um, they, it was just all, uh, it just, you know, And, and, you know, I don't know which was worse. Uh, I mean, they were both horrible. But, of course, all the beatings, all the things they did were beyond words. As I said, hyenas, that's what it reminded me of. I I mean, I've seen (laughs) in Africa, I've I've been on safari, and I've seen uh, uh, hyenas, you know, go after animals, and uh, that's exactly what it reminded me of. But um, not just that, but even after they finished attacking him, um, standing around... Both the five cops and then the EMTs just standing around and, and letting him lay there like a bug, you know, like a scrunched up bug on the floor and not trying to help him in any way. And especially I mean, maybe the EMTs, you know, that's even worse in a sense, because they're supposed to be um, helping to preserve life. And they just stood around, waited. It was like they didn't know what to do or they, they were waiting for permission or whatever, or they, you right. know, or they were intimidated by the cops, I don't know what it was, or a combination of all of these things. Um, but that was that was just unbelievable, too.
2: Do you have any idea, and I know what's hard, you said you watched the whole video, so did I, and so did most Americans, as hard as it was to watch. But from the very beginning, the first body cam that captures the confrontation, the initial confrontation with the driver Uh, happens as they're grabbing and pulling him out. We don't have anything before that. Um, So the claim from the police is they were pulling him over for reckless driving. Um, We don't see the actual, hey, you know, roll down your window, uh, need to see your license. We didn't see if there was an interaction before. Do you think that they just pulled him over, walked over, opened the door, and dragged him out without any conversation ahead of time? Because there's no video for that.
5: Well, that's certainly what it looked like. Um, I mean, yes, there was no show me your license, you know, or do you know what you did kind of thing. Um, It was just they opened the door and they yanked him out. And he he never resisted. on video
2: though doctor on video though that's what I mean though oh, that's 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 what we get from video but that's because right. it wasn't the body cam of the individual who opened the door it was from an officer approaching from the rear of the vehicle and walking forward seeing boom right now the first thing we see is the drag out. we don't know what happened right, right. before that do you can can you right. ascertain anything though just from uh, you know from from your own expertise what you think that might have been
4: well
5: You know it's we're going to be hearing all kinds of interesting stories about you know to try to uh, defend them but um you know i i've been trying to figure out what what could have caused since there is no evidence i mean the police chief has said that they have no evidence of anything reckless that he did so i've been trying to figure out or waiting for news about um, whether there was something about his car like maybe it was a you know he worked for FedEx and his father did too they you know they seemed like they were hard workers maybe he had um, a nice car um, maybe he had a sticker on the car that the police didn't like I don't know why they picked him you know it was like uh, they just swooped in on him and here he was like you know imagine his mood it's not like um he was being aggressive. He had just come from the park where he was taking shots, uh, photographs of the sunset. So, you know, you can imagine the mood that he was in, just kind of a mellow sort of mood. So what could he have done um, that could have uh, necessitated their yanking him out like that from the get-go? Now, the only thing I will say, he, so he, was get, he got down on the ground, you know, I mean, he was thrust on the ground, but then he stayed on the ground. He was trying to talk to them. He was the calmest one of them all. But one thing he did do, and cops don't like this, um, he ran away after he, he he managed to get himself out. I mean, he was st- scared to death, and he managed to get himself out of the first confrontation. And he started to run. He was trying to run home, presumably. And c- cops do not like it when when people run or show any kind of what they take as disrespect. You know, if I mean, yes, he was laying on the ground, but. How dare he, in other words, in their mind, how dare he to run away from us? And that was what amped them up to the second attack.
2: Um, I want to stay on the psychological part of this, uh, particularly with your, your area of expertise. Um, some have suggested that the behavior of the officers at the original part of this, uh, the first part of the video before he ran, it indicated there might have been something personal between one or more of the officers and Tyree Nichols. Based on the behavior that you witnessed, can you make a determination as to whether you think that might be the case?
5: Well, I know. Um, and he's never been in, in trouble with the law before, at least that's you know the reporting that he doesn't have a criminal record. But you have to wonder that. Um, was there some someone at the beginning or someone who led the group? Um, because it did seem, in a way, personal i mean would they do that to everybody that they stop i mean there's something that's why i was saying like maybe he had some kind of sticker that not like uh clearly anti-cop but just something that ticked somebody off or yes it's possible that that one of them at least um perhaps the the one who started it knew him or knew something or thought they knew something about him maybe um I, I have no idea what that could be, but certainly right. that's possible because it really did seem over the top from the beginning.
2: Yeah, and there's been no, to my understanding, I'm sure the media would have reported on this if there was, any other complaints filed by motorists pulled over by these officers or anybody else from the Scorpion unit where anything like this has happened before, there's been no allegations of abuse or excessive force or anything of that nature, which kind of begs the question, was there something about this guy that was personal well, to another officer? i no idea, not answer the question.
5: No, there were a couple of previous um, <clears throat> complaints uh, about a couple of the officers. Not necessarily about a, a traffic stop, but they did, it has been revealed that some of them did have some complaints.
2: Do you know what they were for? Because I did not hear that.
5: Um, I don't remember what they were for, but it was, you know, it was okay. the, well, I mean, it was the same idea of excessive force.
2: Okay, that'll be something to follow up on then. So last question for you then, Dr. Lieberman. You, um, a lot of people immediately, when this video came out, compared this to the Rodney King situation from 1992, I think it was, or one? 91. One. Yeah.
5: 91, yeah.
2: Uh, you, uh, you interviewed, spent some time with Rodney King after that. Um, uh, can, you, uh, can you tell by talking to him or your analysis of that situation how this was different or similar to, uh, to that?
5: Well, um, you know, obviously, one of the major di- difference is that uh, Rodney King survived, um, but uh, if he survived. Yes, I spent a fair amount of time with Rodney King. <laughs> I was uh, interviewing him. Um, I wasn't a psychiatrist, but I was interviewing him actually for a um, for a movie, <laughs> for a, a treatment that I wrote, in a movie that, or a, a movie or a book that's going to come out of it. Especially now, clearly, there's more need of it. But even though he wasn't killed, um, the beating that Rodney King got uh, affected him for the rest of his life. He was never quite the same. He did. He also tried to do some music at one time. I don't know if you remember that. It wasn't that well-known. But um, And I had him on my radio show. Uh, he played his, his song for the first time on my radio show. Um, he was a really nice guy. I really liked him. It was really a very tragic story why he was where he was at the time. Um it had a connection to his father. It was kind of a sentimental reason for why he was there near hanson dam um and and you know so even again even though he didn't he, he did have you know of course he had injuries, but even though he didn 't die, it was it, psychologically physically and psychologically it impacted him for the rest of his life.
2: Yeah, well, one can imagine that uh, that anybody who encounters a, a situation like that would be affected. I would imagine every one of those officers were impacted by uh, by that for the rest of theirs as well, psychologically speaking. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how these five handle it after their convictions, which I think is almost all but a certainty based on the difficult video that uh, uh, that is the best evidence anybody can have. Dr. Carol Lieberman, uh, America's psych- psychiatrist, thank you so much for the time and the analysis. We appreciate it. You're very welcome. All right. It's uh, 1024. We'll take a time out here. Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer. So I did a quick little check because I had not heard what Dr. Uh, Lieberman just mentioned, excuse me, about previous uh, complaints against these officers. And sure enough, literally just yesterday, the Tennessee Star reporting this. Four out of the five Memphis Police officers who were fired and criminally charged have previous records of disciplinary complaints. Now, not all of them are about use of force, but let me give them to you real quick. Um, Haley, who is uh, Demetrius Haley, um, his personnel record shows he was accused of unnecessary or excessive force following an arrest in which he was forced to put handcuffs on a woman while assisting another officer. The other officer was accused of dislocating the the woman's shoulder in order to get those cuffs on. Haley assisted and was re- uh, received a written reprimand for that. Um, Mr. Mills, who is Desmond Mills Jr., his personnel record shows an instance in which he failed to fill out a response to resistance form in which a written reprimand was also issued. Uh, he was also reprimanded for rough or careless handling of equipment, not of suspects, but of equipment. Um, Mr. Martin, who is... I'm looking for the first name of each of these individuals. uh, And for some reason... Oh, uh, Emmett. Emmett Martin. Emmett Martin was ordered to to a three-day suspension without pay for not properly conducting a shift inspection. I'm seeing these for the first time now. Which led to a loaded handgun being found in the squad car used by Martin and his partner to transport suspects. And then Mr. Smith, Justin Smith... His file revealed he was ordered to a two-day unpaid suspension and issued a citation for failure to maintain proper control after a wreck, which saw an officer and another person injured with three. So he was in a car crash that uh, he didn't avoid well enough, I guess. So, And Bean's personnel record showed no prior in. So of the five, four of them have prior uh, complaints against them or disciplines. One of them was for force using, uh, for excessive force used on a suspect. So I brought that up to Dr. Lieberman, obviously, to kind of figure out, if is this their habit? Is this their pattern? Is this what they always do or often do? Or was this a personal thing with Tyree Nichols? And if so, why? And now maybe we have at least some of the answer there. Uh, at least one of them had a reprimand for excessive force in the past. All right. We'll take a time out now. Bottom of the hour news. We'll come back and talk to Christina Hagen, former state representative, on AM 1420 The Answer.
0: Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on The Answer.
2: 1038, Always Right Radio indeed. Thanks for being with us on this Friday. I hope you got a nice weekend in store. It's going to be cold, by the way, but uh, hopefully you got some nice plans for the weekend. Uh, Great conversations already this morning. An important one with Jack Windsor about um, the unholy mess that is the Ohio Statehouse and the disaster that has been created by the Ohio State House Republicans, specifically the Gang of 22 that stole the gavel from Derek Marin and has completely divided the party and the state. It is an absolute train wreck, uh, and it shouldn't be. That conversation with Jack Windsor about all of that. You're going to want to hear it. Jack uh, uh, provides some great analysis. So check that out after the show. About 1 o'clock, the uh, podcast will be posted at whkradio.com if you missed that. We also had a good conversation with Dr. Carol Lieberman just now on what happened in Memphis, Tennessee and what it really means. And now we're going to have a great conversation with a former member of that Ohio State House, former State Representative Christina Hagan, is our regular Friday commentator. When her schedule allows, and it's good to have her back this week on AM 1420, The Answer. Christina, good morning.
4: Good morning, Bob. Good to be back.
2: So how come nobody has shot down the spy balloon yet?
4: You know, it's remarkable. I I often (laughs) think if we were to do what they're doing to us, we would be annihilated in the skies. And yet we've got Biden's crippling weakness on display. Um, Either he does not have the intelligence. We know he doesn't have the intelligence or foreign intelligence, or he'd be protecting our border. He would be protecting our airspace, unquestionably. Um, but this is um, worse than usual. I mean, we're allowing this to linger over ICBM fields in Montana. Um, they have direct access to and collection of sensitive information. Um, either way, either way, whatever's happening here, um, whether their satellites can or can't do something they can already do or not, or they're showing their strength. It just shows how wrong Joe Biden is for the presidency. Um, and I thought a, a great quote was from Eric Schmidt and he, uh, I think he said something along the lines of, I've only been on this committee, um, in the United States Senate for two days. Um, but I'm going to just lean on the fact that we should have shot this thing down by now. I mean, <laughs> is, is it really a question? You know, like two days experience, Biden's been there for how many decades and yet we're allowing for espionage um to occur right in our skies in plain sight and his only advice is uh don't look up at it you
2: know look away well yeah well that's funny because i um i I was jokingly said i think the biden advice on this so far is look how beautiful look how pretty oh it's beautiful look how it floats uh you know in in fact just the opposite of looking away he's looking at it and doesn't care i I look i'm not um trying to be alarmist although this is going to sound alarmist um, I, I don't know that it's just an espionage uh uh vehicle or tool for them i I don't know if it's just a chinese spy balloon if you will i I'm a little more cynical and wondering if it isn't weapon weaponized how do I know it's not weaponized with some sort of gas that it is right now uh very you know invisibly uh dropping down upon you know large portions of the american uh, northwest i i don't know what that thing is all I do know is that it's violated american airspace the um Chinese have confirmed that it's theirs. They have told us to not even worry about it. It's just a weather balloon that got away, which reminds me of Roswell, 1947. I don't believe that either. Um, but, but the idea that the American military is just like, you know, if we shoot it down, somebody could get hurt on the ground. Well, if it was a fighter jet from the Chinese Communist Party, we'd shoot it down, not really worrying about what it hit when it landed. You've got to protect the, you know, the, the American people one way or the other, and they're, just, they're, they're basically yawning at this thing.
4: Yeah, these are these are evil actors that are not above biomedical weapons, as we've witnessed um, here in our short history. Um, and thinking about the fact that the U.S. spent over 800 billion on national defense each year, and we're letting this uh, balloon the size of three buses just, you know, float right over into our airspace and hang out and do whatever they want to do. how compromised exactly is this president that we allow for Americans to be infringed on on the regular on a national security basis it's, Horrifying, but you know what? We can rest assured, because Ning she said herself, the Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson, China is a responsible country that always abides by international law and has no intention of infringing on any country's territory and airspace. Nah. And they hope that both <laughs> sides can handle this together calmly and carefully. Uh, yeah, looks like they're in control, and we have nothing to say about it. It's not a good place to be when our generals are forewarning um, they're underlings that we're going to be at war with China on our doorstep in less than two years. That's right. This is a very serious matter that we all should be praying through and demanding answers to and actions to
2: yeah i mean i'll I'll do the prayer, but uh I want so much more than that in this case. This isn't something where we're praying for it into a you know a contagion or for somebody to recover from cancer where we just need God to intervene in this case, man can help himself. <laughs> we can do this uh without you know without divine intervention here. we can just do what needs to be done to protect the people, which right. they are sworn to do, and they're just using that to do it all right uh Christine, I want to talk ideology for a moment. Because this one just blew me away. I was stunned when I read this yesterday or saw this yesterday. I I think it was more or less a test vote just to see exactly how far the divide really is. Yesterday, uh, they held a vote. The Republicans called for a vote on a resolution condemning socialism in America. Now, that ought to be the horrors of socialism, as they worded it. That ought to be about as unifying as it gets. You know, it's the kind of thing that says, do we condemn 9-11? Yeah, um, that, that's pretty obvious. We ought to be unanimous here. But voting to condemn socialism in America was not unanimous. In fact, among Democrats, it was doggone near a 50-50 split. I mean, there was a majority, but still. 109 to 86 is way, way, way too close. And way closer than I thought. Um, Put another way, 86 U.S. House representatives, representatives of the people, the constituents of this country, refused to condemn socialism. Does that mean the same thing as supporting socialism? Is that what they want? Or do they just not want to vote the way the Republicans wanted them to? What do you make of that?
4: Um, I think you, you trust them at their word. I mean, they're embracing what has resulted in the impoverishment and deaths for hundreds of millions of people through history. I mean, this is, this is really wicked stuff. I mean, these people are anti-American. Um, it's the same reason that Solano and others are being removed from committees. We need to expose them for exactly who they are. Make sure the American people understand that they are saying it forwardly, not a secret. I mean, these are the same people that compare America uh, to the Taliban, to Hamas and the Taliban. I mean, this is the, these people are not for us. They are enemies within our country that are pretend actors representing United States interests. Um, these people are leading us to a concentration of power that has time and time collapsed into communist regimes. I mean, socialism is the tip of the iceberg here, and the fact that the Republicans have to force the question on this. Um, it shows that you know in campaigns. Oh, they always say this. It's a, it's a herring. They're not. We are not really socialists. They just fearmonger. They fearmonger. When the vote is put up and you have this volume of American representatives not being willing to condemn socialism for the evil that it is, it just exposes the evil that exists within our own American government. They are trying to Christina, dismantle everything that's good about this country.
2: Christina. Uh... Let's 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 look at that term fearmongering for a moment. Which you're right, they tried to dismiss this as. Um, when I look at the historical ramifications of and consequences of socialism, I think I have a right to be fearful. I think we all have to be have a right to be fearful. Here's what we're looking at, and they actually put this in the bill to say what we're condemning is the horrors of socialism. And, and it says that socialist policies have led to famine and this is a quote in the bill uh, or the resolu- resolution famine and mass murders and the killing of over 100 million people worldwide, along with some of the greatest crimes in history committed by Vladimir Lenin, Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong, Fidel Castro, Pol Pot and others stating, quote, between 15 million and 55 million people starved to death in the wake of famine and devastation caused by the great leap forward in China. The socialist experiment in Cambodia led to the killing fields in which over a million people were gruesomely murdered, end quote. Um, Christina, pointing those things out as being the, the result of socialist uh, uh, you know, powers, it ought to fear you know bring fear about in people. You're not intending to fearmonger. You need people to know the reality of it, and they ought to be legitimately and generally afraid, not fearful of some boogeyman. This is reality. If you allow a socialism to expand,
4: yeah, these are. I mean, these are the same people that vote for and support infanticide when a child is born alive in the act of a late term abortion when they're born against the will of those trying to kill them. They say, kill them more, let them die. I mean, these people believe in population control. They believe in deciding what food goes on your plate. They want the means of production in the hands of the public collective at any expense. And they want to see less people around. I mean, every day we read about um new ideas like okay, well, we're going to start measuring how expensive and what the return on investment will be if we give you a treatment. And at the same time, we've got a president of the United States who's claiming to solve cancer, who can't even have his social media uh, put together a coherent sentence, yet they tell us they're going to solve cancer um, as their political prop for moving forward. But they do not have the public's interest at in mind. Um, they have the interest of controlling the public and making us do what they want um, we've seen that with gas stoves. We've seen that with electric vehicles. We've seen that with just about every facet of our lives. And they will do anything uh, to make us miserable so long as we are the elitist controlling shop.
2: Christina Hagen, uh, last question for you this morning. I want to tap into your experience as a, uh, a former House representative um, the party's a mess. The Republican Party is an absolute mess. The entire House is an absolute mess because of the coup by twenty-two traitors who uh, uh, abrogated their own oath. They gave, they they literally went back on their own word uh, when they voted. Sixty-seven of them got together in the, in the uh, November caucus vote to choose the next speaker. It was going to be Derek Maron. They all pledged at that time to support unanimously whoever won that vote. Then immediately, 22 of them went behind the backs of their constituents and their fellow members of that caucus to go and pal around with the Democrats and to collaborate and collude with the Democrats to elect Jason Stevens, who would in turn uh, return the favor for the other 21 in that coup by giving them lavish and important and powerful positions on committee assignments, uh, in, uh, in, in the new, uh, legislative session. All of that took place. And now, um, a very strong conservative legislative agenda is going to be put on the back burner because uh, you can't get it through uh, now that you have to deal with these 22 and whatever they owe the Democrats that gave them their votes in order to stop the conservative agenda. So, Christina, with your experience in the State House, can anything get done in this body given the fact that the 45 are extremely distrustful of the 22 and the 22 are now beholden to the 32 Democrats in the super minority?
4: Yeah, so unfortunately it's a similar circumstance to what we just discussed. I mean, when the elitists have the power, they don't care who suffers. And they, you know, they've obviously traded convictions and values and campaign promises for uh, powerful committee chairmanships, which uh who cares if you have those, if you can't act on anything that's actually good for the state. But obviously they have other interests that they represent and they've made that clear. Um, I I never give up on applying pressure in the right places to get people to where they need to be in representation. So I'm just going to highlight for the constituency of every single person that has turned their back on them, make sure that they answer to you for what they've done. Call their office relentlessly. Write their office relentlessly. Demand meetings. Demand that they answer to the campaign promises that they gave to you when you elected them. Um, because... The majority still lies with the conservatives in the House, so they cannot move forward on all of these policies with the Republican majority. And so we need to demand action on the items that matter to us. I mean, we we have this opportunity um, with the Ohio Senate, with the governor potentially sending Ed Choice, et cetera, their way Um there are a lot of moms and dads who are working two and three jobs to send their kids to school that where they're not being indoctrinated and that matters. So I would just recommend that you vocalize your concerns to your representation and you don't let them rest the same way that you don't get to rest. Um, if they're not answering to the right things that you've sent them the answer to, it's, it's disheartening to say the least that this is where we are. But when we make deals with the enemies, this is the kind of representation that we get. I just, I just uh, charge people to boot up, Um, stop taking this crap from legislators and get prepared to run for office. Because the only way that you aren't governed by somebody who is inadequate, if they are inadequate, um, is if you go and you take that position of authority yourself. So be prepared to do the hard thing and apply the pressure that's necessary to get weak minded people to do what they were supposed to do in the first place.
2: You know, I can even suffer through inadequacy in some of my leaders, some of my elected officials, because uh, not everybody's going to have the perfect answer for the perfect for every question. Sometimes answers and decisions that are made, we're going to disagree with, and uh, we are not going to find adequate. Dishonesty is a different game altogether. Dishonesty is what these people put on display. And I cannot, because if I cannot trust them to keep their word on something as simple as who the speaker elect is going to be, then how am I going to trust that they're going to actually back and vote the way I want them to on a major piece of legislation that's going to impact my family for years to come or my children or whatever the case. So that's the issue for me is the dishonesty. Christina Hagan, terrific analysis as always. It's good to have you back. Hopefully we'll talk to you again next week and have a great weekend. All right, Bob. Thanks. God bless. Thank you. Uh, Ten fifty three. Always right. Radio. Take a time out. On. By the way, look at there. I might have a minute or two for a phone call. For the first time this morning, I told you it's a free for all Friday and name only today. But I'll try to squeeze in a call or two. If you got one, do it. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Right back. 1056 on this Friday, Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. As promised, let's get a couple of phone calls in. Vince is calling from West Park on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Vince, fire away.
3: Hey, Bob, how you doing? Thanks for I'm taking the call, as always. Great yes, show. sir. Uh, and, and you know what? And, and This is it's so interesting that you just had Christina Hagen and I talking about just exactly what you, you and I spoke about before, about getting involved, letting our voices be heard, do you know, through our representatives, we know who the other side is. We know what their act is. There's nothing we can do about it unless we stand up. And to that point, kind of want to know where some of our elected leaders are in this fight as well, too. Not only statewide, but nationally as well. You played that clip earlier in your show today of uh, AOC jumping around and, you know, yelling and screaming and that. And, of course, they do what they always do. They go right to the race card. Bingo. And, you know, you... You, you said it was laughable in that, or something to that effect, and you know, and I, I agree with you, it is. But on the other side of that coin, Bob, it, it's scary because I, I want to hear our Republican leaders stand up and refute her right on the floor, right on air, right where everybody can see it. And tell them that you know enough, enough of the race card garbage, enough of all the you know, gaslighting, firefighting, whatever you want to call it. it, it this, this has got to stop, and it's only going to stop. As Christina Hagan just said, is when we stand up, is when we get involved and you're calling and talking to that, do not let them rest. That, you know, that's it. That, I mean, you're
2: you're right. And I would love to have seen a Republican member of Congress stand up immediately after, you know, Rashida Tlaib and Corey Bush and AFC exactly. and all of them said, this is an attack on women of color you know when you immediately yep. go to identity because you cannot defend yourself or your point based on uh, uh logic or or uh you know uh if you exactly. just only if you have no defense other than you're attacking us because of our color and our sex you've already lost and i want i want somebody to step up and say Quit using your skin as your your shield, as your as your defense for everything that that happens to you. If somebody condemns and criticizes you, it can be it can be because they think you're stupid, not simply because you're black or brown or or female. They just think your ideas are terrible. They just think that Ilhan Omar's history of anti Semitism makes her probably a less than ideal person to be on the Foreign Affairs Committee for crying out loud. Um, you know, I, I don't think. I don't think that's too difficult you know, for people to do, and, I, and you're right. It's one thing for you to say it and me to say it. I would very much like our, our, our leaders in, uh, in Congress, particularly the GOP-led House, to do it as well.
3: And it's funny you mentioned that, too, about there's a break there, and I, I, I couldn't help but, I, I kid you not, have the same exact response when you played that. I'm driving in my car and I'm yelling at the radio, where is somebody on the Republican side of the aisle standing up immediately and saying, stop? Sit yeah. down. When I have these conversations, when I have these conversations with people, Bob, and they come out and they say, Well you're just racist, you're sexist, or or better yet, a white supremacist, I look at him and smile and You just lost the conversation because you just proved you're ill equipped intellectually and factually to have this conversation. Bingo. And you have no and answers. By, and by, right. And by the way, what just one other quick thing to think about too. All the you know, white this and white that and supremacy and white. I'd like to see what would happen if you just replaced that with black.
2: Oh, you know as well as yeah, I do what would outrage. happen. Yeah. impossible. Yeah, thank
3: you. That's You're my problem. point. Thanks for Thanks. the
2: call. I appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Yep, you got it. Good stuff from Vince as always. I love when he calls. It's uh, 11 o'clock. We'll get our newscast. We'll come back. Always right. Radio AM 1420 The answer.
0: is always right radio with bob frantz on am 1420 the answer
2: onward now hour number three underway 10 minutes after 11 o'clock thanks for being with us on this free for all friday we will have time for more of your phone calls i promise you before we're done today but i know it has been heavy on the guests uh, but uh, with good reason we have a lot of things going on uh, in this uh, city, in this state, and in this country right now. So we've had great conversations. If you missed any of those conversations, check them out on the OED page. I had Jack Windsor in the first hour. We had Dr. Carol Lieberman on the Memphis situation. Obviously, uh, those were important. Just uh, spoke with Christina Hagan about the situation in the Ohio State House and beyond. And uh, now we're going to dive into uh, the ongoing targeting. The the literal targeting of American citizens because of their religious beliefs, not just by the American government, but by the uh, people who apparently control the American government. Special interest and political uh, um, identity politics uh, uh, organizations like the LGBTQ community. They've targeted Jack uh, Phillips once again. Jack Phillips in Colorado, you know, as the cake shop owner who refused to bake the cake for a gay wedding. We know what happened It made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And they have said, uh, and he won. And uh, the LGBTQ community says we are not going to take uh, no for an answer. We're going to go back again and again and again and again and make this guy's life a living hell. So for the last, what, 10, 12, 15 years, that's what they've done. The latest is we're going to make him bake a transition cake. So that a little child, uh, can transition from a boy to a girl or a girl to a boy. And we're going to make him do this. And the minute he says he can't or won't, bam, here we go again. Well, here we go again. Joining us now to discuss is Matt Sharp with Alliance Defending Freedom. He is Senior Consul, State Government Relations, uh, and, uh, um, excuse me, Senior Consul and the State Government Relations National Director. And, uh, Matt, ADF has been working so hard for Jack Phillips since the very beginning. Uh, I cannot commend you guys enough for that, but my goodness, what is his frame of mind right now, as they just will not leave him alone, Matt?
7: Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, Jack has been dealing with this for over a decade. He's a cake shop owner who serves people from all walks of life, um, but there's just simply certain messages that he doesn't want to express. And so now the one they're coming after him is it was it a gender transition cake, a cake that was going to be pink on the inside, blue on the outside, and that a local activist attorney was requesting specifically for the purpose to go after Jack, to punish him for his beliefs about what marriage is, what it means to be male and female. Um, And so we're obviously frustrated to see Jack again and again and again be targeted for this, but we're hopeful that we're going to get a victory at the Colorado Supreme Court um, or beyond, if necessary, to make sure that Jack and other artists like him are free to live and work consistent with their beliefs.
2: You know, I... I, (laughs) I'm not a lawyer, but uh, I'm, I'm failing to understand what is so difficult about this. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The moment Jack Phillips says my religion, which is not some funky voodoo or satanic religion, it's something called Christianity, which is the largest religion in America and around the world, He says, my religion prohibits me from expressing, as you say, certain types of messages, whether it be through art, through through my baking, through my uh, through my personal life, whatever it is. I have the religious right to not be compelled or excuse me, I have the constitutional right to not be compelled to violate my own religious beliefs by saying certain things. I mean. I don't understand how this takes more than ten minutes in a courtroom to say no. You can't make him do that. Case dismissed. Let's move on. I know I'm being very, very simplistic here, but that's how it. That's how it feels like it should be, right, Matt?
7: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the First Amendment has long protected the right of every american whatever your beliefs are that the government can't force you to speak a message you disagree with and this has popped up in circumstance after circumstance it, one of the great cases actually dealt with some uh, it was kids at school that were jehovah's witness and they didn't feel comfortable reciting the pledge of allegiance because of their beliefs and the supreme court ruled for those kids saying you cannot be forced to say or speak something you disagree with and that's the simple principle that jack and many of our other clients are asking for is the freedom to not be compelled to speak a message that violates your core beliefs and convictions because if the government can do it against jack it can do it against anybody and that ought to be something we all ought to be concerned about
2: we're talking to uh, matt sharp uh, senior counsel with alliance defending freedom he's also the state government relations national director and um, you know i'm reading this the latest decision against him and the fact that you guys are going to appeal this again on his behalf Um, the colorado civil rights commission pursued the first legal action Are they still the ones driving this, just looking for new complaints, for new, you know, generally it seems to be organizations or people within the LGBTQ community to go in and intentionally ask him for something they know he'll decline so that the Civil Rights Commission gets another bite at the apple?
7: Well, the the Civil Rights Commission has definitely shown a history of hostility. But this one, just to show how the harassing behavior has continued, uh, the same day Jack's First case was uh, accepted by the Supreme Court. This activist affer- attorney in Colorado filed a second lawsuit. That one was with the Civil Rights Commission. That one got dismissed. And so now this activist attorney turned around and sued Jack personally. So this is actually a lawsuit by the activist directly against Jack. Uh, but it's part of this ongoing, continuing harassment of Jack um, that the Civil Rights Commission has been part of. Now this activist attorney is uh, doing. And, and interestingly, in this case was moving forward. The attorney harassing Jack was specifically asked, if this case gets dismissed, are you going to let this go? And the attorney essentially said, no, then I'll go back in the shop the next day and ask for another cake that I know Jack won't be able to create because of his belief and file another lawsuit. So he said that directly. This is Uh, all about harassing he yep.
2: said that directly, yep, wow, i I was just kind of paraphrasing and surmising this seems to be the attitude we 're going to keep going in there asking for things we know he won 't do, uh, and then we 'll be able to sue him again uh, and he they actually said it out loud, which is incredible so um look i'm I'm not one to back down from a fight, and I salute the courage uh, that Jack Phillips has shown in this entire thing, but like you said, it 's over a decade, I thought it was close to twelve years or more, but it 's over a decade, whatever the exact number is since this first fight started um I salute his courage, but there's got to be a point where he just says, "I got to get the hell out of Colorado. I can't, I can't <laughs> operate a business like this. If my, I mean, how old is Jack?
7: Yeah, I mean he's 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 getting up there. He's been doing this for I think you know thirty plus years now.
2: So he's in his fifties or sixties. I don't know what it is. Uh, and my point to that yeah. is, they're never going to stop until he's dead is how it appears, especially now that you've verified what he said. or You've confirmed what he said out loud, uh, you know, this uh, this this complainant. Uh, they're going to go in the next day and the next day. They're going to keep doing this until he's dead. You just wonder at what point, I don't think it would be considered cowardly to tuck tail and say, I'm going to another state because I'm not going to allow this to continue to happen to me here.
7: Yeah, you know, it's been in, encouraging those to see how others have, have joined with Jack. And so we, we've got another case at the U.S. Supreme Court by Lori Smith, she she's also in Colorado, subject to the same law that's being used against Jack, yeah. and she owns a website design company. Um, and so we're hopeful that Lori's case is actually going to give some precedent to affirm that Colorado and, and this activist attorney cannot punish Jack. But I think that's that's really what's been keeping Jack going in all this. He recognizes that. If he backs down, that's going to have consequences, not just for him, but for so many others across the country that are facing similar things. Um, And it is a heavy toll on him, but uh, I think we've just been encouraged to see even people that are on the other side of the, the aisle, even LGBT individuals saying, what's happened to Jack is wrong. I stand with him, even though I disagree with him. I stand with his right to be able to speak and act freely.
2: Matt uh, Matt Sharp is our guest, a uh, senior counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom. Speaking of the word precedent, um, you talk about you know wanting Laurie's case to be a precedent. Why isn't Jack's original win at the Supreme Court precedent enough? You know, saying we're not going to continue to have these identical or almost identical cases brought against him or anybody else when we saw the outcome. They do not have a legal or constitutional leg to stand on. A, a man or a woman, a person has every right to choose what not to say, to not be compelled to create a website in Lori's case, to create flowers in Arzell's case, to be, or Baronel Stetsmith's case, excuse me. You know, not, not not to have to play, a, you know, as a DJ for, for a same-sex wedding or, in this case, a transition thing. I mean, isn't the precedent already there from the Supreme Court win the first time around?
7: Well, in the first case, the Supreme Court focused solely on the hostility that the Civil Rights Commission showed towards Jack when it, for example, compared his beliefs, these millennia-old beliefs that marriage is a union of one man and one woman, to being no different than Nazi beliefs. And based on that, the Supreme Court said, you can't show hostility towards people of faith. The government cannot target people because of their religious beliefs. So it didn't get to that free speech question, that that right of artists to speak consistent with their beliefs. That's what Lori's case has teed up. Her case is directly on point with that, and so we're hoping that that case is going to be this important precedent that applies to Jack and artists across the country.
2: How close is Lori's case to the Supreme Court?
7: Uh So it was actually argued uh, just uh, a little over two months ago, or about two months ago, uh, early December. Uh, so we're expecting a decision probably later this spring, early summer. And again, we hope that that will be precedent that will not only uphold Lori's right to create freely, uh, but Jack and others across the country as well.
2: Thank you for that reminder because I did interview one of your uh, attorneys uh, about her case. I just forgot that it was already at the Supreme Court level at that time a couple of months ago. So, um, so do you believe because of what you just said, you know, I mentioned about, um, you know, Jack, maybe he needs to leave just for his own sakes, you know, peace of mind and to start having, stop having to fight this fight for the rest of his life. They're always going to target somebody else. They targeted Lori, as you pointed out in Colorado. Do you feel like this is going to be a forever game? If the Supreme Court doesn't do something more than just crack down on the uh you know the 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 what did what did you call it the mean spiritedness or uh the uh defamation or whatever by comparing yeah, the harassment, for, yeah, harassment yeah to, oh, to, oh yeah the to
7: hostility yeah
2: hostilities yeah that there's a there's gonna have to be a Supreme Court decision that that addresses the matter at hand. That is the First Amendment issue here, not just the hostilities issue. That's, that's the only thing that's going to stop these cases from being brought every other day, right?
7: That's exactly right. And that's why I was encouraged in the Lori Smith 303 creative argument. The justices were very focused on the free speech aspect of this and coming again and again against the government's attorneys, the Colorado attorneys, pushing them about whether the state really believes it has the authority to do this because as some of the hypotheticals brought up does this mean that they could tell newspapers what they can and cannot publish uh podcast and, and radio hosts.
2: radio guys the, the yeah.
7: principle that is exactly yeah so the i think the principles there the court recognized it's not just for the artist because again if the government can tell an artist what to speak who else can it tell and dictate what they must say and not say so i'm and optimistic that we're going to get strong precedent in the 303 creative case that is going to help resolve a lot of these and help ensure that this harassment against jack and others does not continue
2: well, we often ask uh, listeners at this radio station and on my show to pray for various things. And I'll tell you what, I can't think of anything that's more important, maybe as important, but more important than this. We've got to pray that our rights are protected. Uh And it's to that end, we remind everybody that ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, is a legal ministry. And you guys... You guys represent people and their freedom of religion, their religious liberty, and you do it free of charge for all of the clients whose cases you take. But it isn't free to try these cases. So I'll ask you what I ask every ADF attorney that I talk to. How can we help?
7: Yeah. You can visit us at ADFlegal.org where you can learn more about our cases and help support the work that we're doing to defend Jack and Lori Smith and others. And as you said, we've been doing Jack's case for over a decade now, and All of that is free of charge. Uh, We believe in protecting everyone's constitutional rights. And that means taking cases all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary to secure those freedoms for every American. So That's ADFlegal.org where they can support our work and learn more about our cases.
2: And, and, you know, Matt, just to underscore that and, and to give people the incentive to donate and go to the ADF Legal website. You know, Jack would have had to cave in if he, if he had to pay for attorney's fees. I can't imagine anybody, a small business owner like him or anybody else, quite frankly, who could afford legal fees for over a decade and this constant harassment and all of these different lawsuits. So without you guys, he would have had to cave, uh, because nobody can afford to do that which begs my last question, how's he doing financially? How's the business doing in the, in the wake and in the face of all of this pressure and all of these cases and all of the, you know, the, the attention? Uh, how's he doing business-wise?
7: You know, it, it's, it's definitely been tough. There's been ups and downs with all of this. Um, but I think through all of it, he, he's had a lot of people that have reached out and said, we're not just going to support your legal work, but we're going to uh, support your business. And so I would definitely encourage people to stop by his uh, cake shop Uh, And the suburbs of Denver and reach out uh, can get some excellent brownies, cookies and other great items there. Uh, And it's a great way to, to show your support is just help his business out.
2: Do they ship? Do you know? I mean, I'm in Ohio. I believe they do, yeah. If they'll ship me a, 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 you know, a package or a case or a whatever of brownies or cookies for crying out loud, I'll do it. And I promise you there's a lot of people within the sound of my voice right now who would do that as well. So we'll have to do a little uh, searching for a Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado and make that happen. Matt, thank you for what you're doing and what everybody at ADF is doing for Jack and for Lawyer and for Religious Liberty for all of us. This literally impacts all of us, so we certainly appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Matt Sharp, Senior uh, Counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom. And again, he is the State Government Relations National Director. So he matters. And uh, this legal ministry is literally doing God's work. Can I say that fairly? Is that That's not over the top, is it? They're representing individual American citizens whose religious liberty is being stripped away by radical political activists trying to advance the LGBTQ agenda. I'd say this is God's work. ADFlegal.org. ADFlegal.org. There's a red donate button at the top of that webpage. Use it. And maybe go on and uh, find Jack's uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop and order yourself up some cookies. I think I'm going to do that. Hell, I might do that during the news break that's coming up. Always right radio. AM 1420. The answer right back. Okay, 1128. Chuck is in Cleveland on AM 1420 the answer. Hey Chuck, fire away. Hey, Bob, uh,
4: come Tuesday ask Peter Kerschnell mm. if this guy Jack
2: can pull out a restraining order on this attorney. A because restraining order a, probably not. I think the criminal justice system allows people, he could, yeah.
4: He,
2: yeah, it he is. He's it for
4: harassment.
2: Okay. yeah it is harassment, and the Supreme Ooh, yeah. Court proved that the Civil Rights uh, uh, Commission in Colorado was harassing them by way of the language that they used, but this is just a personal private civil lawsuit and i don't think uh, I don 't think you can just say okay you can 't sue me anymore because you 're harassing me I just think uh, I think what has to happen here, uh, my friend, is that what uh, what Matt just said has to happen, and that is a precedent needs to be set that once a precedent is set that you can't make an artist say something they don 't want to say, whether it be through cakes or salt or flowers or websites then the lawsuits stop then they get kicked out of court and then they start charging them by the way for nuisances nuisance lawsuits to the court
4: visual the restraining order not him as an attorney but him personally as a person that's harassing him.
2: Yeah, well, I mean it it it, it won't matter cuz you have a legal right to file a lawsuit against anybody you want. And if they kick it, if the court kicks it again, uh, uh, you know, and says you're harassing somebody, they may charge you and thanks for the call my friend, I got to get to our news. They may charge, they may make you pay a fee. This is my, you know, very limited understanding of the legal system cuz I didn't go to law school. My daughter's going to law school, but I'm not. Uh, it's my understanding that when they kick a frivolous lawsuit out, they can declare it harassing, too, and they can uh, throw an, an extra fine or fee onto the uh, onto the uh, situation and make them pay the attorney's fees for the defendant who's being harassed as well. But I don't think there's, like, an anti-harassment law that presents a lawsuit from being filed. I think everybody has the, the opportunity to do that. I will ask Peter, though, because that's the expert. He'll know. Uh, 1130. Take a newscast now. We'll come back. Always right radio on AM fourteen twenty.
0: This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by the Floor King and Keeping Medicare
2: Simple. Okay, eleven thirty seven. Final segment. I did it during the break. Even as I, uh, as I. Uh, promised i would i found the website it's master you don't have to look for it uh i'll tell you just it's masterpiece cake shop all one word dot store masterpiece cake shop dot store i uh it's funny when i searched in my search engine i don't use google and i don't even use the verb google where people say just google it no don't google it do not give them the attention uh google is an evil evil company that is bent on helping to destroy this country quite frankly I'm not overstating that. I really believe. Uh anyway, uh I found it for you. So just go to masterpiececakeshop.store. Dot, dot the first biggest response or result in the search window um is to masterpiececakes.com and when you click that one it is the place. It says Jack Phillips name and everything else. Um no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm 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 mixing a couple of things up here. Let me clarify that. Yeah right okay no I I do have it right so it is it but when you click it it's a dead link it just says uh, you know oops something's wrong uh, there does there seems to be an issue with this website so I thought oh, darn but I went and found a different one of the um, results and it is masterpiece cake shop dot store and I was able to pull it up able to read Jack's story a little bit down toward the bottom of the home page you'll see some of the options. there's there are brownie trays, masterpiece cake shop brownie trays many of them are sold out. There are cookie trays so I went ahead and ordered up uh, a dozen of the uh, home style chocolate chip cookies which look amazing and sent them to my son at college a little early Valentine's present. Uh, he'll love that. Um, and uh, yeah I just wanted to help a uh, twofold they look good they look great. My son will be thrilled. He's going to get a package and not know that it was coming. Everybody loves that. Uh, And it's going to be for Valentine's Day, which is even cooler. And I'm helping out Jack Phillips, if you can. Just, I'm getting nothing out of this. I have no business relationship whatsoever with Masterpiece Cake Shop, but you heard the interview that we just did with Matt Sharp. Um, you know, business is tough. It's hard. It's hard to overcome all of the attention, all of the scrutiny and everything else, having to explain his position on why he doesn't bake cakes for certain things and so forth. Not people, but for certain events that he doesn't believe in. It's tough for business. And if you can help uh, you know, a place like that out, I think you should. Small businesses like that being harassed by left-wing governments deserve our, oh, how cool is this? 've got they've got kind of a store too they've got mugs they've got tumblers excuse me water bottles tumblers t-shirts hats uh, wow cool cool website cool website find a reason find a reason get somebody a gift do something for yourself and help out this uh, this uh, uh, this company that is that is just being. Attacked relentlessly by the uh, LGBTQ movement, movement in the American left that simply does not believe in A, tolerance, or B, the First Amendment to the Constitution. So it's store. I'll give you that little, uh, little tip. Sally is in Berea. Sally, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420, the answer. Go right ahead.
5: Hi, Bob. I'm so tired of hearing about Document Gate because it reminds me of the indifference and empathy uh, many politicians have towards our national security and the safety of our citizens that are not a priority. It's demonstrated by the erasure of our borders and the lack of support for border guards and our local police who are the guardians of our security. While it's likely that documents are overclassified, they're often um, applied to to um, politicians who want to cover their butts for their dis- decisions. I hope the archives will do a better monitoring job if they're embarrassed, and also that uh, there'll be stricter guidelines for just making classifications for documents that pose a direct threat but because it 's coming out of the d c swamp i won 't count on it till I see it thanks Bob
2: well, thank you uh, and you know that's probably <laughs> that's probably a uh, a good approach to take. Don't count on it until you see it. Uh, Sally, thank you so much for the phone call. Hey, um, I want to update you on something because it's important to me. Um, I, I've, I've started my television show. We've been shooting for about two, three weeks now, and uh, the first couple of episodes, they, they actually uploaded a couple of the episodes that were not complete. They rushed them to the website True Blue and that's the app and uh, they're not ready Uh, those are probably going to be taken down and retooled but the new ones that we're cutting are how we want them to be and they're going to be amazing i think you're going to like it well one of the things we do on my my program my tv program called uh, true blue daily with bob france is we feature some of the latest takedowns of pedophiles and predators with chris hansen it's called takedown it's only on the uh, streaming app true blue and um a couple of weeks ago we featured uh one of the takedowns in which Chris uh you know they you know how this whole thing works Chris and the law enforcement teams work with uh uh you know they have um what are essentially um I don't know why I cannot think of the word uh somebody is pretending to be the child on the other end of a of a conversation an online conversation with one of these predators the decoy is what they're called the decoys so anyway the decoys have these conversations well the one we featured a couple of weeks ago netted a very unique type of predator. He was a police officer. He's a police officer in Michigan, and he was trying to arrange to have sex with a 14-year-old boy. That's who he thought he was talking to when he showed up at the house. uh, It was Chris Hansen and the the, uh, sheriff's department, the ghost squad, actually. And they showed up, and they got him, and they took him down. And that's just part one of the story. The update to the story just came yesterday. Because he was busted um, breaking the law in trying to arrange a sexual encounter with a minor, which would be rape, they confiscated his cell phone and other devices. And just yesterday, he was rearrested and charged with 23 felonies for having 238,000 images and over 9,000 videos of little boys ages 3 to 12 being raped by adults. This sick, perverted predator was perp-walked in front of other police officers when they got him yesterday. All of that is on True Blue right now. This is what we do. This is the kind of thing I want you to follow along with if you believe and you know the law enforcement and criminal justice stuff that i talk about on this program every day taking down bad guys including bad cops subscribe to true blue just go to watchtrueblue.com it's watchtrueblue.com subscribe it's 4.99 a month it's a cup of freaking coffee but follow us along there and see justice being done that's all i've got for today thanks to my crew thanks to you thanks to uh, thanks for listening being a part of the show have a great weekend Be well be safe stay free see you monday bye bye